Brought to you by Business Fights Poverty. Hello and welcome to Business Fights Poverty Spotlight Interviews. I am Katie Heisen, Director of Thought Leadership. Each week, these interviews provide you with the insights from a different perspective of Business Fight Poverty Network, giving you first-hand understanding of how businesses and others are working on some of the world's biggest social challenges. This podcast today reminds us all why we need to be positive and take action. Today, we hear from Anthony Karanja. Get ready for passion, vision, and empowered optimism, and also why young people are going to make change happen. Our conversation is part realization of how big the challenges are for young people to make the difference that they need for a positive future, and part visionary pick me up. Anthony is 24. He has grown up and lives in Kenya. In 2016, because of the leadership he showed in his high school, he was selected to attend the World Bank's Youth Summit. Anthony is now a researcher, designer and project development associate for the Youth Cafe in Kenya. We'll hear more about that shortly. So Anthony, welcome. Thank you so much, Katie, for having me. I'm excited to be part of this uh, podcast collection for Business Fights Poverty. Great to have you. And I'm so glad we're getting to record this today. Anthony, I wanted to start our conversation about, well, on LinkedIn, if you look at your profile on LinkedIn, it says, I am African and Africa is my business. What do you mean by this? Well, thank you for that question. One of the leading architects of Pan-Africanism was Kwame Nkrumah. And in one of his most celebrated quotes, he said that I'm not African because I was born in Africa, but because Africa was born in me. So as a Pan-African myself, I take that as my Pan-African slogan, that I am African and Africa is my business. And it simply means that as a son of Africa, I have a responsibility towards the continent that is much bigger than I am. This is why I take a lot of pride in being involved with a Pan-African youth organization, which is the Youth Cafe. At the Youth Cafe, we believe in African solutions to African problems. We see the population of more than 800 million youth as a great resource, not just to the continent, but to the, to the globe. And this gives us 800 million plus reasons to work with the young people. So the Youth Cafe works with young men and women in Kenya and around Africa to foster community resilience, propose innovative solutions, drive social progress, youth empowerment, and inspire political change. We're obviously, the podcast is called Business Fights Poverty, and I'm curious what business fighting poverty means to you right now. Thank you for that question. So I look at a business in its entire form as a problem-solving vehicle in itself, because most businesses look at opportunities and they refer to this as as a niche, but in real sense, it's a problem they're trying to solve. Business fights poverty means that we just identify these niches and then try to assess how we can pull these things together and pull our resources together and help talk about poverty, help alleviate poverty, and help even draw in some interventions. The United Nations has defined poverty as a denial of choices and opportunities, a violation of human dignity. It means lack of basic capacity to participate effectively in society. It means not having enough to feed and clothe the family, not having a school or clinic to go to, 
not having land on which to grow one's food or a job to earn one's living, not having access to credit. It means insecurity, powerlessness, and exclusion of individuals, households, and communities. It means susceptibility to violence, and it often implies living in marginal and fragile environments without access to clean water or sanitation. Thus, ending this poverty in all its form everywhere is also the first development goal. COVID-19 has totally ravaged the poor and has pulled more people into abject poverty. Estimates of the countries that could have the deepest, long-lasting impact of COVID-19 on poverty, with exception of Yemen and Venezuela, are all in Africa. The Asian countries that appear in these indexes, which include Philippines, India and Bangladesh will disappear eventually because the growth rates in Asia are much higher than those in Africa. Thus, recession on poverty is quickly reversed and will be quickly reversed for those countries. But in Africa, by contrast, the countries that are listed in these indexes, they have a growth which is slow. Thus, so the impact of COVID-19 could set back development not only for one year, but for several years. And indeed, some of the countries which have the highest levels of poverty, like the Democratic Republic of Congo and Nigeria, could possibly have higher poverty numbers in 2030 than those they they had in 2020. And thus, business fighting poverty for me means that we align, we we have a theory of change at the Youth Cafe, and I, I align business to fighting poverty to principles, three principles that are are in our theory of change. The first principle is building a more relevant, sustainable, and effective enabling environment for education and work systems for young people that recognize their rights and will. So in line with this principle, recently during the World Bank uh, spring meetings, there was a theme on economic recovery towards a green, resilient, and inclusive future. The president of the World Bank Group, David Malpas, highlighted some of the problems that the world is experiencing during this period in time. And among the problems that he highlighted were rising poverty and inequality. So in October 2020, data from the World Bank Group indicated that by this year, this is 2021, COVID would have pushed about 150 million people into extreme poverty. The data went further to show that 8 out of 10 of the world's new poor, and I put this new poor into bracket because new poor means these are people who are not formally looked at as being below the, the, the poverty line, but now they, they are now below the poverty line because of the, the reverses that have happened due to COVID-19. And so the data indicates that eight out of 10 of the new poor or the new world's poor people would be from middle-income countries. And this can highly be attributed to the fact that middle-income countries are home to about 75% of the world's population and 62% of the world's poor. And at TYC, under this principle of building a more relevant, sustainable and effective enabling environment for education and work systems for young people that recognize their rights and will, we aim to achieve the following. The first is 
prioritizing inclusive access to education as a means of and to social justice, enabling the participation of young people in society and they get the opportunity to exercise their rights. The second one is ensuring that education systems respond to changing job markets and demands, providing young people with the key skills that will ensure their employability, such as soft skills, critical thinking, and adaptability will be much higher than they were, as opposed to before we carried out an intervention. The third one is we aim to invest in and create inclusive access to digital tools and learning systems that will support the education and skills development of young people, ensuring that they will not get further left behind by advancements in technology. And the fourth aim of the Youth Cafe under this principle is the private sector and governments should take responsibility for the creation of decent work for young people by creating opportunities such as mentoring programs and, and, and traineeships and access to finance for all young entrepreneurs. So the second principle that is in our theory of change talks about involving young people at all levels uh, in decision-making processes that will affect their lives. So if we were to make the world a better place, the utter importance of intergenerational conversations cannot be ignored. This will ensure that there is a safe avenue that is created for the transfer of knowledge between generations. And that will then, in turn, ensure that young people are not necessarily inheriting systems, both political and economic systems, that they know nothing about. So under this principle, uh, we aim to partner with young people as leaders and experts at all stages of policymaking, including the follow-up and review of policy implementation to ensure accountability. We also aim to create inclusive platforms and share safe spaces. This is both digital and physical for young people to inform policies and programs that impact their lives directly. The third aim we have is to address structural and legal barriers and negative perceptions of young people that somehow prevent the participation of young people into the decision-making process, ensuring opportunities to engage young people are widely accessible and adapted to, and they have adapted to their specific needs. The last principle under our theory of change that I use somehow to to look uh, to, to sort of approach how business should be fighting poverty right now is the principle talks about how we can partner with young people to build a better and more resilient world for all generations. Under this principle, we, we aim to provide the foresight and ensure that young people's knowledge and their insights inform youth development efforts at all levels, partner with an trust young people to participate and lead interventions and development efforts, providing adequate resources and supporting them to strengthen their capacities. You are looking at the big picture and thinking about big issues there. And I just wanted to stay on that kind of big theme for a moment longer, which is what are the top trends that you're seeing? I mean, from that kind of perspective of being a young person in Africa at the moment, what are the trends that you're seeing that you think others should be aware of? Thank you for that question. Let me start from a report that was done, that was released late last year by the World Bank. Sorry, not late, but earlier this year by the World Bank. It's titled Doing Business. And the report 
talks about the overall climate, business climate in sub-Saharan Africa and Africa at large. And one of the positive indications that were coming from it was that the ease of doing business at starting a business and maintaining a business in the sub-Saharan region as well as in Africa has improved. And it points out countries like Mauritius and Rwanda and, and Togo and Nigeria, they, they are ranked among the 20 top countries globally that have made it easier to do business. So in the last year, countries across the region implemented 73 reforms, removing certain red tips and obstacles for small medium enterprises. This was because of the onset of COVID and every policymaker in every country was rushing to ensure that they sort of cushion the economy from getting into a recession and helping people out with giving them resources as young business, small business owners, and even the big, the big businesses in some of the countries. And through these reforms, the red tips that were there for small medium enterprises were like access to finance, because access to financing in small medium for small medium enterprises in Africa is one of the biggest hindrances to scaling and to developing the economy at large. The first thing that I'd want to bring people's attention to is that the future of Africa holistically is inextricably bound to small medium enterprises and their development. This is because the informal sector in most of the African countries accounts for more than 70% of the job opportunities that are created in this economy. Thus, it means we need to understand where Africa is at the moment. It needs to really take advantage of this time. And people in governance need to not look so far to the West, but look somewhere in Asia and see what has been happening in China for the last three, four decades. China has remarkably been able to pull out more than 800 million people in just four decades out of poverty. They've pulled out more than 800 million people. If that was to happen in Africa today for the next three decades, that would mean that out of the more than 800 million Africans who are young and who are under the age of 35, we would be able to pull out the entire population of the young people in Africa out of poverty. But China's approach was quite phenomenal when you look at it from the business angle of things, because the towns and villages enterprise model was one of the best pillars that ensured that China was able to do this. But let's not even look at China as a country. Let's look at the Asian region. I don't know whether you're familiar with the Asian economic miracle that started in 1965 and uh, it ended in 1990. So I think that there are certain things at the moment in Africa that need to be looked at closely. We have great documents that have been written by the African Union and aspirational ones that we can actually be able to achieve if the blueprint of the Agenda 2063 is combined with now the new African Continental Free Trade Area Agreement, that we connect more of our economies through intra-trading between us, between the, the countries in Africa, and then from there, 
we can ensure that we'll be able to create and help create a thriving environment for small medium enterprises moving forward thus creating job opportunities and thus now ending unemployment and that and then now this will continue to impact even the spending habits and that now will allow room for more foreign direct investment and and that now will open up our economies to where they should be at the moment uh, the, the second the big issue that I'd want to bring people to, uh, people's attention to is this issue of climate change now there's been a lot of talk since the the attainment since we got to the new millennium uh, up to where we are at the moment about climate change and uh, it was so unfortunate to see what happened in the last four years where the former president of the united states was calling climate change a hoax but i think now climate change addressing it from where we are we need to understand that africa is at an advantageous position to develop a green economy i mean we haven't really experienced industrialization as the west has in comparison to the 20th century but if we are to get there in the next 30 20 uh, 30 40 years we can take advantage of passing policies that ensure that any industry that is created and and any any anything that is set up within any of the african within any of the african countries takes into account the issue of climate change and they go green so we go green in our production we 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 look for we we shift now because for example not many africans up to this day are cre- have access to to electricity but now because of solar technology and also looking at other things like the wind turbines i i think we we can take advantage of this as africa and ensure that we create business that are going to thrive so well in a green economy that 100 years from now people will be coming to africa to see how we've been able to, uh, to to sustain those economic structures and not only that we can now help the rest of the world to join in in making sure that we don't leave our kids a warmer planet but we give them a better planet and in in where our generations will continue to to thrive for years on end the third one that I'd want to bring people's attention to is that africa is home to greatest population in time of young people they need to be tapped they are a great resource they are educated as compared to the the, the former generation they they have gotten access to education and if we sort of allow them and and give them avenues upon which they can use to create businesses that are going to help africa's economic story and 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 sort of push that turbine forward i think we need to take advantage of this young population now you are classified as a young person for about 15 years yeah so i think 15 years is a long time for government to sit take advantage of policies and create better policies that are going to ensure that there is that there is a clear foresight with regards to where we want to go and how young people can be part of this journey because the the notion that young people are leaders of the future the notion that we're going to be leading tomorrow needs to get out of their head because at this moment in time we are the best chance 
that Africa has to ensure it claims its rightful place in the world. And if we do right with the young people and cooperate with them, I think we are going to, to see a new age, the dawn of a new age in Africa where people are actually working towards attaining better economic systems, better economic standing in society. And at the end of the day, we are going to leave behind countries that are sustainable and have sustainable economic infrastructures and countries that now can now start uh, solving and, and, and chattering the path to, to the global, to the future of the globe. Important, important words, important points. And sticking with that, I mean, you talked a bit about kind of unlocking the potential of young people and making sure that governments are making good policy, etc. If you had just two minutes with a boardroom of some big companies, what would you say to the corporate leaders of the world? The biggest thing that I'd want to communicate the boardrooms of the bigger businesses in the world is telling them that we, at, at where we are at this point in time in history, we need to continue to allow for global cooperation in terms of solving social issues. And not only that, and also just even addressing climate change issues. Now, you see, as a young man in Africa, 24 years old, I may not be able to do a lot because I, I may have the ideas, but I may not necessarily have the access to resources which, can, which I can use to actually help you know, solve global poverty. But there are certain, there, there are certain examples of, of companies which have done so well in ensuring that we address this issue, this social issues through increased global collaboration. And allow me to cite an example from the World Economic Forum. Uh, they released a report that noted how a food manufacturer in Africa improved foods wanted to address malnutrition in Rwanda. And local stakeholders also received input from public and private sectors in the UK, Brazil, and Netherlands to determine how best to, to produce fortified products that would address the country's malnutrition issues. So borrowing from this, I think, let me, let me cite Eric Rice's book. Now, in, the, in his book, The Lean Startup, the second chapter, he talks about one Caroline Ballerin, who at the time was, a, was the director at HP for Global Social Innovation Division. And he went on to talk about how Caroline was trying to, to set up a, a volunteer program for employees at HP to, to help in, in more of a CSR approach. And most of those global companies have their corporate social responsibility sort of guideline. They have that blueprint. So I think through in, uh, increased global collaboration, we can be able to get rid of the world's most nagging social problems. And not only that, we can be able to create a sustainable future whereby if I'm running a multi-billion company and I know we have various industries somewhere in China and that we can shift from using coal as, as our source of power but, and, and go towards the green side, that would have reduced the carbon footprint and that would, make, that would ensure that at the end of the day, 
climate change does not necessarily affect not only me as the director of that company, but also people globally. So we just need to sort of find that middle middle ground with non-governmental organizations like the Youth Cafe and even other stakeholders like governments and also policymakers and come together to ensure that we are moving forward towards a sustainable, resilient and global future. Come on, we can do this. We can do it together. <laughs> now, Anthony, I, I mentioned or we, I said earlier on in our um, conversation that we would return to some of the work that you are doing at the Youth Cafe. Now, I happen to know there's a project called Youth Excel and um, that you've been partnering with or funded by um, USAID. I'm wondering whether you could tell us a bit more about it, just to give everybody a sense of what the Youth Cafe really does when it gets going. Well, indeed true that we are doing a project with a, a USAID project called Youth Excel that's been implemented by IREX and other consortium members where we happen to be part of the consortium members. Interestingly, the, we, lo- we just launched uh, officially, the global launch of the project happened yesterday. And it was all about, and and the project really just entails the use of implementation research around addressing social issues, you know. So you take a group of people and, you know, do a research about, say, a certain, if we want to to, to improve the livelihoods of young people in Kibra, or we want to improve the uh, the, the livelihoods of young people in in a given county in Kenya. We go and using the implementation research model, we are able to get the relevant data and then we make data-driven decisions towards interventions that can be drawn to these outcomes that we've seen. This is a project that is going to be running for the next five years. And I am really hopeful that we're going to be to, to have addressed so many issues from um, income inequality to even understanding malnutrition needs for young moms and and having provided the right possible buy-ins from all stakeholders globally and we will have left the world a better place. Wow. Well, I will put links to that into the words that sit alongside this podcast in case anybody wants to follow up, find out more or indeed get involved. So Anthony, just to round off our conversation today, what advice would you have to any other young people who want to make a difference who might be listening to this conversation? One of my favorite global icons and, and a leader that has been claimed globally was Gandhi. And he once articulated and said that if we could change ourselves, the tendencies in the world would also change. As a man changes his own nature, so does the attitude of the world change towards. We need not wait to see what others do but be the change you wish to see in the world. And I'd want to reinforce this with a quote that the celebrated Nigerian novelist Inua Achebe gave in a prominent interview with the Paris Review in 94. And he said that until the lions have their own historians, the history of the hunt will always glorify the hunt. The time has come for the young people in Africa to take up the mantle, and it is our responsibility to now tell Africa's story in all different ways that we are able to, in any avenue that we may look at, that sort of 
makes us stand certainly poised in history to allow us to provide you know foresight moving into the future that the policies that we make the decisions that we make whether it's to start a business a small business in Kangemi today or uh, a small business in Accra could somehow change the narrative of Africa because we are now in charge of the pen we are the people who are telling our own stories and no one knows our story better than we do we must also remember that we owe a great debt to our ancestors the men and women who fought so hard so that we could achieve our independence uh, in various states that we need now to create a future sort of through making decisions in the current present that allows the continuation of generations to come to this ideal of a great state africa doesn't need necessarily need to to be the continent whereby if anyone mentions great diseases if anyone mentions poverty or malnutrition you think of africa, we are able to change this narrative we are in positions to do so and you do not have to go to the united nations so that you can do that you just need to look at a social problem back at home which is affecting your community and start by solving it if a million of us that do that in our various capacities globally and even in all the 54 states in africa if we decide that today we are going to address a certain issue that affects our community that no one knows about those are one million problems that we would have solved so we have power in our hands people talk about us being the leaders of tomorrow but really we are leaders of today who will now allow the transcendence of positive leadership positive governance into the future and now bequeath this that would have created during our our lifetime here from the cradle to the grave to the inheriting generations and I, and i believe that you just need to look for that one problem and something that you're passionate about and let's make africa great let's bring back the the lost glory of of the egyptian civilizations and all other great civilizations that once thrived on this great continent you it may start by volunteering with a community based organization it may start with volunteering with youth led organizations like i do at the youth cafe just come let's do this let's all stand uh, stand up and and let's all ensure that before we 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 go and we cross over to the other side that our kids will look back and celebrate the the work that we did in our youth that it would not have been wasted and that we would not have certainly wasted our youth but we would have used our youth to help africa get and navigate its way where it truly belongs on the uh, on the global stand. Oh Anthony, I feel so privileged to have gotten to hear your insights and thoughts and ideas today. Thank you so much for sharing them. I feel like you're standing on the cusp of waves of positive impact and challenge everybody who's listening to watch this space and look out for Anthony Caranja and and indeed the whole of the youth cafe as they go forth and change the world and hope you guys can join together um to be part of it too. Anthony thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me Kitty. I am very excited that I I got to do this with you and I'm looking forward to also just doing more projects 
with uh, business fights poverty and let's let's make this world more a better let's make it a better place for everyone absolutely well i am here with you and i look forward to more collaboration more connections and working together anthony thank you thank you so much and if you like what you've heard today please do rate and subscribe to us I would also love to hear your feedback. So please do drop me a line at any time. I'm Katie at businessfightspoverty.org. Many thanks. Brought to you by Business Fights Poverty. 